The Wine Monk, Arizona Wine Podcast by Cody Vladimir Burkett. You know, I know, you know, you could pour me like a good glass of wine. Sip me slowly over time, or drink me up at once. However you like, however you like. Good evening. Monk with uh, Bess the Cider Wench. I think Cider Wench. Uh, this is the Maldacia Girlfriend podcast. The opening theme you heard was one of the new submissions, A Suspicious Little Pretty One by Junior McKenzie, uh, which I did not play for you, but well, I haven't figured out how to work it into at, at the time of recording this podcast. I haven't figured out how to work it into the theme, but it is one of the first themes that's been submitted. Cool. Uh, the only other theme submitted so far has been Derek Power. With uh, something that he, I think, named as the Wine Monk theme. But anyway, tonight I'm going to introduce my girlfriend to the girlfriend, Malvasia Bianca. Uh, I have here the Private Reserve 2011 Malvasia Bianca from Freitas, which is one of my favorite Malvasias in the state. I have as a backup in case this is corked the 2014 Sand Reckoner Malvasia Bianca, which is also one of my favorites in the state. Over here. Outside of the cork is awfully um, moldy, but we'll see. We can introduce people like me who are not very familiar with corking to what corking may look and smell. Potentially, but that's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I kept this in very cold storage, and um, so there is mold in the cork, but I have seen that. I scraped some of it off, but that grayish powder. May I, may I attempt a whiff of that? Not much of a smell to it. But, um, well, it's not open. But it may not be a bad thing because if it's only on the outside, the cork works still good. Um, I assure you, all of Bess's family, that she is modestly dressed right now in a headscarf, uh, and a new tie. There are no shenanigans here! Okay, we're, I think, good. Wait, maybe. Hold on. Yes, we're good. It's a little less floral than most traditional Malvasias, but yes, this bottle is not corked. I'm oh. already liking the smell that I'm having. Okay, that, that sound is fantastic. Squeak! <laughs> Maybe I should like isolate that and use that as like my new text message notification tone. Or for if someone says something particularly shocking during the podcast. I could, but that would require a lot more sound editing than me or my sound editor is probably willing to do. So Freitas, um, for those who are in, not in the know, uh, Freitas Vineyard was one of the first two vineyards in the Verde Valley post-Prohibition. The other one was, of course, John Marcus's winery, uh, Echo Canyon. Uh, this one's located not terribly far from the Walmart, all things considered, in Cottonwood, but uh, uh, there's not a tasting room. Uh, Melissa... Um, Actually, this was, might have been, uh, oh no, this was before Melissa was the winemaker. Uh, this is the 2011. Uh, this was still when Darren Evans uh, was the winemaker, who I think is now winemaking in St. George, Utah. Uh, a state that definitely needs more booze. So, I don't remember if I told you about 
white wines and how they change, how they age. I think we've just talked about reds. Yep, I think we've only talked about the reds so far. Um, so, as whites age, the color tends to get more yellow. Uh, sometimes occasionally into orange. Um, actually, I could have shown you this actually in the dollar store yesterday where they had a $3 Torontos and you could tell that they were stored horribly because their bottles were all varying shades of colors and see-through glass and some were like almost like uh, burnt orange or rufous color like if any of you are westerners and know what a rufous hummingbird looks like that color and then you had some that were like canary yellow like this or dandelion yellow or some that also were like looked like they would have been perfectly okay like what Toronto's looks like just out of the vine so to speak or in the bottle very young uh, very very bright almost transparent and also on the bottom of the crystal um, tartrate crystals so it's not a bad thing um, I think I was joking with one of us was joking about this at the festival with you about tartrate crystals no that was when uh, Marnie came over and you were commenting on her ring because damn that is a sweet ring and uh, I like and you had commented anyway sorry Anyway, wine. So what are you smelling on the nose? It's very floral. What flowers are you, are you rose. getting? Rose. I mean, I say rose quite frequently, but um, something of an early, an early blooming spring rose, possibly even a beach rose, which is quite a, a different scent, actually. I'm, th I'm thinking beach rose. It's much lighter. Um, than what you would normally get in a, in a bouquet. Not a wine bouquet, a flower bouquet. Um, nectarine or peach? I'm trying to get beyond just saying white fruits because I feel like that's a bit of a cop-out. It, it kind of is, but the people do it. For me, the big floral scent I'm getting which is pretty normal for most Arizona Malvaceas. Um, well, this one is not as prominent as I've noticed in other Arizona Malvasia is elderflower. Um, which again, is not something that everyone really encounters on a daily basis, but I remember occasionally sipping St. Germain and that's an elderflower liqueur that smells like Elderflower, because it's made from elderflower. Does elderflower lead to elderberry? Yes, I think. I'm going to resist the Monty Python gag, despite every uh, every bit of... Just Python. make the freaking Monty Python. Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelled of elderberries. Chamez la vache. Chamez la vache. It means get the cow. I kind of guessed. Yes, get the cow. By, the cow. by context, but... You are the French speaker. I am not by a long shot. Anyway, uh, I'm getting also a little bit of jasmine, gardenia. Mm -hmm. I don't know what beach rose smells like. That is a smell that I've never. You know, it's, it's actually kind of like gardenia, which is, you know, that's what I was trying to place. That was my one of my grandmother's favorite flowers. And my mother, will sometimes wear Chanel Gardenia perfume 
in her honor and memory. So that is, there is now there's a connection with, uh, with my awesome grandma. So yeah. There's also a lot of honey I'm getting on the nose, which is pretty standard for Arizona Malvasia as it ages. It gets richer honey notes. Um, I'm still really looking forward to in the end, uh, in the future, doing a uh, vertical tasting podcast of the Stronghold Malvasias from I think I've got uh, 2010, 2011, 2012, both 2013s, and I don't have the 2014 yet that has not been released yet. But it's going to be soon. Um, Was that an ominous soon? Soon. It shall be released soon. The Malvasia Awakens. Release the Malvasia! Release the Malvasia! Or as you affectionately call this grape, Tight Pants Bianca. (laughs) After, of course, Captain Mal. Oh, wait, that's right. I'm not supposed to make Firefly references. Sorry. We shall, we shall for the moment forgive you. It's not your forgiveness I need. <laughs> I still have nightmares about your sister's look. Still, years later. Oh, this is, this is somewhat to be expected. I love you, Gavin. I don't know that she will. But yes, that was... Um... Was the 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 girlfriend is meeting the girlfriend wine and I said as long as I can call it tight pants Bianca I think we'll be okay. <laughs> There's a little bit of mint also I'm getting on the nose and sort of a rosemary. I'm thinking rosemary may well be a Tawar scent of the Verde Valley. I get it in a lot of Verde Valley wines. Oh. And I've been struggling a lot to find any sort of unifying Tawar feature of the Verde Valley. Because the Verde Valley has such a varied geography and geology and climate. There's so many different microclimates. You could theoretically, and well, in one case, yes, uh, there's one place, you know, where there's Pinot Noir on one hillside and, you know, literally less than a mile away. Well, not even a mile less than even a half mile, like a quarter of a mile, even if that is uh, Tempranillo being planted, which are grapes that do not exist within that close a range of mileage anywhere in their homelands. I, I don't know that there is even any Pinot Noir grown in Spain offhand. Um, at least not that I'm aware of or have seen. But anyway. Most of what I could tell you is where you will find certain cheeses, so. This is where I'm supposed to say that you're the cheesy girlfriend, or? Yes, yes, probably. They're going to have to have, you're going to have your work cut out for you for cider in Arizona, because there's very few producers. Uh, The main producers are either Superstition Meadery and Prescott, um, and James Callahan has made one, um, which is one of the things I got for you as an early Christmas present that you still have not drunk yet. I will get to it. I know, I know. I'm, I'm you wanted to share it with looking your dad. To, yes, I do want to share it with my dad, who um, is who's, who's just barely entering the world of cider. 
despite living in New England. Um, he, he has gone more for the New England beers and less for the ciders, which is, um, you know, there, there are a lot of new um, locally grown, locally produced ciders in New England, um, down east being my particular favorite, which comes from Maine. Um, haven't seen one produced in Rhode Island yet, but there are not many things that are produced in Rhode Island to begin with. Um, there's a couple of vineyards, and um, they are opening a, um, they're opening a, I don't know, it, per perhaps one would call it a factory. I don't know how large the distribution of uh, Narragansett beer is, but they are going to be opening a place where they will make Narragansett beer in Rhode Island. Yes, because that's where Narragansett Bay actually is, and where the Narragansett actually lived, and yeah. So, I am the lived. You mean they're gone? It's not a whole lot of. Okay, I guess they Narragansett from yeah, that pun doesn't work. Anyway. Anyway. Mint, uh, elderflower, honey. Floral characters, peach, um, like white peach. Yeah. Not regular peach. And it does have. Um, we were at the uh, the festival earlier, and we were talking about with the Syrah, the um, it being a, a mint wind. Almost. Um, yeah. And, and there's, there's almost a hint of that in this, that there is a coolness on the nose. Know, there's a coolness on the nose that is, is reminiscent of peppermint. Or a mountain stream where peppermint grows, which is uh, almost like Bitter Creek in Jerome. Uh, but anyway, um, I won't get into the history of Malvasia because you've heard me go about that in... Uh, podcast that was affectionately known as the Malmsey Butts podcast. The reason being is that a butt is a medieval unit of wine measurement. Malmsey was a medieval name for Malvasia and it was transported from Italy to Britain and these butts, which contain like 500 gallons of wine. It's not dirty. say that I've actually heard the term Malmsey butt somewhere in somewhere in literature, but I can't identify it. Shakespeare probably that would probably be it. Uh Richard the Third? The scene where the dukes are being drowned? Those were in butts of Malmsey. Whoa. Okay. I have now learned more about Shakespeare. The the English minor needs to learn more. The the English minor did not go for the Seems like a minor issue. But, uh... Are you ready for the girlfriend to meet the girlfriend? Yeah, let's do it. It's hmm. quite lovely. Uh, well, you remember, of course, your Lord of the Rings. Yes. This particular vintage... Uh, the 2011 Malvasia of Young Arthritis, Private Reserve, is how I've always imagined Adrot tastes like in Welling Hall. 
that would really work. That would really work. I mean, especially just considering Mary and Pippin and the kinds of things you would think they would enjoy. That, yes. Yeah. The first time I tasted this, I... It was in the tasting room that used to be Dean's and Cellars is now Wicked City Tap and Bottle. I think it's Tap Bottle. Wicked City is the the name. Um, uh, under Hilltop Deli, it used to be Dean's and Cellars, and they used to sell the Freitas label there. And one day, in between my Hilltop Deli shift and my shift at Subway in Sedona. Um, I referred to the descent between one to the other as the descent into Hades. Um, the only thing that has redeemed the subway, by the way, for the record, uh, after my hellish time spent there, is all the Night Vale advertisements and mentions for subway, which make me giggle. Specifically the subway sandwich shop, or also the Night Vale subway? No, just the subway sandwich shop. I have no strong opinions on subways one way or the other. Uh, I do not live with the mole people. I have spent much time among the mole people of Boston. That is the extent of my mole people. Although, I encountered really cool musicians down there, and I really think someone should do like an ethnographic study of musicians playing on Boston Tea stations. Especially Central Station. There were times where I saw a guy with a hurdy-gurdy. Whoa. Okay, I have not had that experience. I've seen some other strange Did ones. you ever see the Chinese, the old Asian man possibly Chinese playing the traditional Chinese stringed instrument? Possibly once. I saw him a couple of times. I've seen several mandolins. Um, mandolins I've seen, a cello I've seen, a yeah. piano I saw once. Ooh, I've seen a keyboard, but not a piano. Um, um, did see someone with a full drum kit. Just drumming. That. Seen that. The hurdy-gurdy was, was the coolest, I think, by far. That and the traditional Chinese instrument. I'm... I'm a wild guess at Chinese. Um, uh, the it, way you're, the way that you are airbowing looks like more, more like the Chinese one than the uh, Japanese. And it wasn't Mongol. It wasn't. There wasn't. It didn't have the. It clearly wasn't a Mongol instrument. I spent enough time watching Mongol long song videos on YouTube. You know what would be awesome? Tuban throat singers in the tea stations. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> you would get great acoustics there. Yes. And, and also Holy Cross chanters. Chanting, singing, randomly, along with... I would bet that on um, the, what were they called, safari days, there were probably chanters who just started singing in the subways, because I know when I was younger, I definitely started singing in the subways. And you've seen the footage of the, the singers singing the Icelandic hymn in the subway station, right? Yes. The, that's gone viral multiple times. I've seen it come and go and come and go. Um... So, but the Malvasia was described to me that day in, in that tasting room as liquid sunlight, which is another really great apropos. But I remember drinking this and thinking, because I was reading, no, I wasn't reading Lord of the Rings at the time. It wasn't while I was reading Lord of the Rings at all. It was just something that was in my head because I was thinking about Lord of the Rings or maybe I'd just seen the extended version of The Two Towers or something. Something Lord of the Rings related had just happened. I know it wasn't reading because I only read Lord of the Rings during Lent. 
It's my Lenten re. It's my Lenten. That and the Space Trilogy by C.S. Lewis are pretty much my Lenten reads. Which are uh, good because each one has a character inspired by the other author. Exactly. Uh, for those who are not aware of the Space Trilogy, um, which are more esoteric. My goal in life is to be Ransom. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten that until this moment. That that is my, my ultimate goal in life, is to be the main character from the Space Trilogy. Because he is a philologist. And no matter where he goes, he can figure out the language. And this is... A major plot point. Yeah. And it's actually done in a, And it's actually in the novel, um, for those who haven't read it or aren't familiar with it, it's done actually in a very believable way, in a way that a philologist would actually go about figuring it on a language that he's hearing. Um, so it's not like... You know, not like he's got a textbook. He's learning it like a child would learn it. Yeah, and it shows, and it's actually done in a really brilliant way in the book, and not a way that's heavy-handed, and not a way that's very obviously, you know, like... But it's, you know, like fake. If, it's like if you had, um, if we get into the book a, a little bit, if we get into the first book, the um, when the Hrosa, which were my, if I were to live among any peoples in the Space Trilogy, it would totally be the Hrosa. Um, I could see that. They, yeah, they're fantastic. Um, basically, when they find Ransom, or when he finds them, when they come across each other, they start teaching him the language as they would teach a baby Hrosa. Yeah. Um, a couple of words at a time, and that is um, how we, in uh, in the language teaching uh, sciences, prefer to do our teaching. Um, which is why I'm going to make a very controversial statement right now and say that Athenaze is possibly the best textbook for learning ancient Greek because that's the way in which they do it as though it were a living language and not a dead one because there are so many people who hate that book I know everyone hates Akhenazi except me <laughs> <laughs> and my wonderful uh, my wonderful Greek teachers at Knox College hail Knox all glorious she probably got a better Greek education than I did at Holy Cross just for the record Holmberg does not teach Greek very well. And she's like, I know you know Greek. And I'm like, don't. <laughs> I had the Feinbergs, who were a married, elderly Jewish couple. And I, I audited my first trimester of Greek. And she pulled me aside at the end. I, I hope no one, well, you know, I hope that, it, that this reaches everyone that it can possibly reach but not the people in this Greek class, because she took me aside and said, you got the highest grade in the class, and it's not going to count towards your GPA if you keep auditing Greek. And so I had to give up a couple of other classes in order to keep going with it. But I like Athenaze because they... <laughs> There's a night veil quote on the screen. In case of emergency, good luck! <laughs> it's like that one that's... Well, sounds like you're human. Good luck. Um, <laughs> but yes, the Feinbergs were wonderful. And um, and the reason I particularly like Athenaze is because it uses, it introduces you to Kine. Uh, at the end of every chapter, there is a section from either um, the Gospel according to Luke or the Gospel according to John. I think they're, they, I 
get into the higher levels, they might use acts as well. But John is the, while, while having some very uh, difficult to grasp ideas, I've heard it's theologically, it is... Grammatically, one of the simplest. It's so simple grammatically. It's just, hey, here's some straight up past tense. And here's some present tense. No, you're not gonna. We're not gonna use any of the weird ones. What are you talking about? No subjunctive here, and and that made me happy because I might love languages, but the subjunctive can. The yeah, subjunctive. The subjunctive can go, is maybe perhaps possibly one of the maybe kind of difficult. There's me I'm trying to do fan. the subjunctive in English. I'm just not a fan, and it's used so differently in different languages. Like for instance, the entire Lord's Prayer in French and Spanish. Subjunctive. Our Father, who art in heaven, oh that thy name be hallowed. Oh that thy will be done. I did not know that it was subjunctive. We pray that thy will be done. We pray that thy kingdom come. We and and then which is so different from the tenses of it in Greek, which are not subjunctive at all. French and Spanish. And I don't think it is in original Aramaic. Or that someone, I would not know. someone had back translated. Have what? I'll have to ask Mel Gibson that one. Well, or not Mel Gibson, but yeah. uh, the esteemed father, doctor, mother, uh, Eugene J. Pentiuk. <laughs> I've heard many stories about Father. He Pentiuk. is honestly the pretty much one of the only professors I miss at Holy Cross. I think I sat in on one of his classes. Because that man was freaking genius. Did he have a really great accent? Yes, he was Romanian, Romanian accent. I think, I think I remember Talks people going. Talks a little bit like this. I remember people going around doing Father Pentiuk impressions. Yes. <laughs> Occasionally, whenever whenever uh, Father uh, Jeffrey is feeling down, I will regale him with a, a Pentiuk impression that usually cheers him up. <laughs> As a fellow veteran from the trenches of Holy Cross. Yeah, the only, the only. Um, Theologians that I can imitate are are Anglican ones, um, and and they're not. They, there's only one of those who's, who's any fun to do, and that's Father Height, because he has a he's a voice that starts out up here, but then he's he's had a life of, of heavy drinking and pipe tobacco, and and you'll say things like, "Oh, that sounds oh, terrible." Oh, yes, the problem with orthodoxy, <laughs> and go, he'll go back and forth between this and that, somewhere down here, and. Yes. A life of heavy drinking and pipe smoking. Gosh, that sounds terrible. Well, it's terrible for those of us who have to clean out the uh, the, the clergy lounge after things like the St. Michael's Conference because he says, oh dear, most of those port bottles were mine. <laughs> Very sorry. Very sorry that you people have to carry these. I see this as a pipe smoker. And a... I don't mind at all. Kind of. Well, okay. You're not going to turn oh. off the voice like Father Hyde. No. And, and what very, is it Texan Anglican? And that's a very specific Texan. Texan? He's a Texan Anglican with a penchant for affecting a British accent. At any rate. Texan. Texan. Anglotex? The Anglotex church. There we go. Yes, I like the sound of that. Texan sounds just too much like a barbecue joint. Yes. Okay, of course, so I haven't actually said anything about this. <laughs> no, um, 
and, and for the record, I actually don't drink that heavily. I, some people would accuse me of. Uh, people that we both know, or not know, but know well. I know, unfortunately, too well. And you, fortunately, have not known well enough. Eh. <clears throat> anyway, we're going to leave it at that. The amount makes sense for the career. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I know. if you were a teetotaling wine writer, I would not trust your And then I also, I, I also know some people in the wine industry who are definitely constantly drunk. That's um, problematic. Which, yeah, so I, I would say that I would drink a healthy amount for what I do, and, you know, I mean... And it's certainly good stuff. I mean, yeah. everything that you introduced me to at the festival was wonderful, so... So what are you getting on the palate of the Maldosia, uh, now that I've uh, compared it to the, the Entrot of Welling Hall? I've, I've just gotten, just now, a, a hint of... Some some sort of peppercorn. I could not identify the color for you. Um, I've seen, you know, if, I, if I think peppercorns, I just think peppercorns. And the, the pink. I can see pink. I'm going to um, I'm going to just call you correct on that one. Um, and a little bit of anise. Yes. Sorry, I'm. Yes. Um, describe my girlfriend to me, girlfriend. Uh, Where do, where do I start? I was born in Chicago. I was born and raised a Cubs fan. And thus this year had some small amount of good thing that happened. I meant the wine, but okay, this works too. <laughs> describe, oh, describe this girlfriend. Here I go be, yeah, having, an, having an ego. Um, I, I am... Um, I'm stop laughing. And then I will make some sort of statement about citrus. Um, Some sort of statement about citrus. <laughs> I mean, a, uh, I was uh, earlier today. We tried something that I was able to pick out precise citrus fruits in. Well, that was the new or the older hacienda. Yes. Uh, from Sierra Bonita, that was not on oak. That was stainless steel, half on half Grenache Blanc, which was described as a citrus bomb, and. Yes, it was an explosion of citrus, and with that, you got lime zest in the nose, but then uh, on the palate, it was very much lemon and pink grapefruit. Um, this I'm getting one of the smaller, sweeter oranges. Um, smaller, sweeter oranges would be a good band name. Yes, I'd have to have like people Clementine? with names like Clementine. Yeah. There's a there is something of a there is something of a clementine. I want to say not a not a mandarin, but a clementine in here. I could see. I I would have labeled it as probably Meyer lemon, but that's because I'm more familiar with Meyer lemons than clementines. I, uh, star fruit maybe as well. Again, more familiar with star fruit than clementine. Really enough, despite ever since I've had star fruit. The last time I had a star fruit, almost to God, was when I was living in Boston, and I got it at the. Uh, the Haymarket. Okay. And I was just shopping for random munchies for a, a date. And the, the part that kind of scared me off of that is when she pulled out a knife from her boot and started cutting the fruit. And I was like, oh, let me go find a plastic knife. And she's like, no need, I've got one. I'm just like, squeak. 
face. You can't see it, but he's backing slowly it's away. Like, okay. <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> I mean, holy shoot. What else am I getting in here? Rather, I curse like a pilot. Pirate. Not pilot. Pilots might curse for all we know. We hear them, you know, being weird. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. And then this is your captain speaking. as soon as they turn off the microphone to the rest of the cabin, you know they're... Whenever one of the, the particular Roombaites is feeling very badly, I send her messages like I'm a pilot describing what I'm doing <laughs> in current weather conditions. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain, Cody Blamer. You can't speak in this time covering at an altitude of 5,200 feet in the small town of Jerome, Minnesota. Skies are partly clear. Um, slight sun. Uh, temperature is approximately 59 degrees. Thank you, guys. Have a great afternoon. A commercial jetliner <laughs> disappeared overnight fail this morning, <laughs> only to pass through the Night Vale Elementary gym, severely disrupting basketball practice. It's believed that the people at Desert Bluffs are to blame. <laughs> Desert Bluffs is always showing us up with their nicer uniforms and better pregame snacks. For shame, Desert Bluffs. For, For shame. shame. This is why I am Cecil. <laughs> we say that I am Cecil and he is Carlos. For lo, he knows much of the, the science of things like winemaking, whereas most of what I have is words. Words that hopefully are comforting in the uh, hot, hot, hot desert climate, where sometimes we wish we didn't have the sun. I'm completely mixing things up now, but the point is, we are Cecilos, and that is a lovely thing. Yes. Um, so, some of my listeners by now have heard the story from me of how we met. It is an exciting tale. Now you tell it as you remember it. As I remember it, okay. Um, my sister essentially ran the bookstore at Hellenic College Holy Cross. Her husband would work in there sometimes. Um, and actually, their first daughter was uh, was raised for the first two years of her life in the bookstore. Um, and uh, so one day I was there, and of course they, they extended to me a nice, a, a small family discount whenever I would stop by. And I was, I was up at the, I, think, I believe I was up at the counter possibly purchasing a mug so that I could have a cup of coffee. No, it was definitely at the counter. And then you came up and you were buying books. Yeah, I can't remember for the life of me what books I was buying. And this would have been slightly before Lent. I think the week before Lent in whichever year that was. Um, because we get to the second part of the story and we get to the, the, the pre-Lent treats that are going on um, on campus. But I remember meeting this nice young man and just feeling an instant connection and thinking, hey, he's smart, he's orthodox, he's cute. Sorry, hold on. I'm In my head, I'm just remembering the, the orthodox wife hunter. <laughs> I'm not a well, cassock chaser. Let me state orthodox. that. I'm not man. a cassock chaser. Man. Orthodox. Smart. Obviously, if you were a Kazakh chaser, you would not be here with me right now. <laughs> I am the least Kazakh, one of the least Kazakh people to come out of Holy Cross. 
ever. For calling himself the wine monk, he does not wear monastic gear. Um, I have joked about getting a... a um, not a not a habit or a, a, just like a, a robe, like a, a cassocky type thing, or or a neo coat, which reminds which are me of based one. Based on Anglican clerical. Uh, which works. reminds me of <laughs> something I posted in Roomba eons ago. Um, <laughs> there is a children's costume that was, um, that was like the Spanish word for priest, padre, or something. <laughs> or cyber hacker. I definitely saw one that was like priest slash hacker. Depending, on, you, depending on if you use the collar or the sunglasses that came with it. <laughs> so you could be a priest hacker. I, mean, I remember uh, Josh Ramsey one point said, can we British have like the, the emblem for <laughs> Sadly, he was overruled. Oh. <laughs> um... But yes, I I, uh, I remember striking up a conversation, and I have no idea. It was probably about books. I think it was about books. It was probably about the books that you were getting, because... I, I don't remember any I don't of the details of the conversation, other than thinking, this girl is cute and nerdy and kind of awesome. I would like to get to know, know this person more. And then apparently came the death glare. I was looking away at this moment. I think I was I trying saw... to think of other things to say. And then I saw the death fire. I said, bye, see you later. <laughs> I was like, where, do we, where did he go? He, he has vanished. But then uh, for dinner that evening, um, normally I would have eaten uh, at, I would have eaten at my sister and her husband's place um, in um, Mary's student housing. But the pre-Lent treat that night was karaoke in the cafeteria. And I thought it was in Maliotis. No, it's definitely the cafeteria because I have never been in Maliotis. Okay, well, I'm just hallucinating. Then, well, what else is new? <laughs> and um, after um, after hearing a, a number of um, interesting renditions of uh, songs, like Byzantine chant versions of Josh Groban. <laughs> yes, and finding out that Father Matthews. Can really sing. He sang Desperado, I believe. Yes! I had <laughs> forgotten about that until now. That was good! And my sister poked me and said, That's Frederica Matthews Green's son. <laughs> I, was, I was laughing, I was crying, I was going, What? Because Frederica Matthews Green is a large part of how a lot of women come to. And not only that, she's kind of one of the, the orthodox celebrities, for lack of a better word, um, spiritual or otherwise. Um, yes. Father Thomas Hopko is another, and I, I have a Hopko story. I think I've told it to you. Possibly. It involves a really bad pun. Of course it does. This is me. Yes, yes. About. I do remember that it involved a really bad pun, but please enlighten anyway, me because it's very amusing. We're gonna f you finish oh, okay. your story first, and then okay. I'll go into so, orthodox name dropping. So I'm going for the ten for the three people that are orthodox and listening to this. So I mean, I, oh my god, I have a story about them too. <laughs> so I'm thinking at this point, I have to get up there and sing. Normally, by this time in a karaoke night, I've been up three or four times um, because when I was at grad school in Florida, I used to go every week um, 
to a um, to a sports bar with a bunch of friends, and we would sing karaoke every Wednesday night. And how is that? I'm thinking I have to get up there and sing. I have to get up there and sing. And somehow Cody has ended up at the same table as me. I can't remember if we joined your table or you joined our table or what. And I want to say Dino was there. Yeah, I think Dino was. And he just got married earlier this year. He did. Congratulations, Dino, if you're listening. Probably not, but um, he's one of the the few one well. One of the few slash many slash one of the few that I talked to genuinely wonderful people that came out of Holy Cross. Oh yeah, Dino's cool. And um, I used to get a text message from him every pasta. Huh. And I didn't get one from him this year, which made me sad. So Dino, if you're listening, you, you owe Cody a pasta text. And and then there will be another one soon because Pasca is coming. Pasca is coming. Brace Pasca yourselves. Is coming. Brace yourselves. <laughs> Um, Ask yourselves, meat for, for, meat for Sunday is coming. All of the meat. Anyway, continue. Sorry. Anyway, somehow I, I, I how did we, how on earth did we actually get to Tom Lehrer? Tom Lehrer. I don't remember. In my head, I think I'm not in it because I thought this girl is cute. I need to show her just how freaking <laughs> weird I am off the bat. So in case, so that way she knows what she's dealing with. Um. Tom Lehrer seems like a pretty good, easy thing to potentially find. Yeah, and... Um, that and, is sufficiently uh, weird to freak out some people. Yeah. Uh, not knowing, of course, that having attended Knox College at the same time as a certain Mr. Larson Youngberg, whose parents were math students of Dr. Lehrer's. Which makes me four steps removed from Tom Lehrer, ladies and gentlemen, which is awesome. That I had received several CDs of ripped MP3s off of the original vinyl. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, my first choice would be Vatican Rag, but I'm pretty sure everyone in this room would kill me for that, even though they're Orthodox. Uh, because I played that for my uh, for my father at one point, and he laughed through the entire thing and said, "That's hilarious! Never let your mother hear that." <laughs> um, that was not one of I believe there were three Tom Lehrer songs. One of them might have been "The Elements." Yes, which I'm like, no, Ugh, no, gosh, the, the not Elements. A was, I I'm I can do Modern Major General, but "The Elements." is tough. The pronunciation is more difficult than the original Patter song. Uh, and yet it is, it, that was the uh, song that I would use to teach uh, parody song um, recording uh, when I was at grad school. Anyway. I um, want to say that the other of the three was Be Prepared. Possibly, and I'm... Which um, has the not seminary friendly lyric on the last line. Yeah, I don't think I've actually heard that one in quite some time. Is is it about nuclear proliferation? No, that's uh, about, it about. It's literally Boy a parody of Boy Scouts. Okay, I'm I'm gonna guess where that goes in my head and not say it out loud. Yeah. Um, but the point is that we ended up with poisoning <laughs> pigeons in the park, which is my favorite Tom Lehrer song. <laughs> which other is than a that, lot but, of fun. Um, being a former, well still somewhat dabbling in birding. 
and once was a card-carrying member of the Audubon Society. Um, <laughs> so anytime someone says a single lyric from that song, I want to start singing it, and uh, that can prove problematic. Depending because, on people you're around. Yes, it would depend on the people that I'm around, whether they know Tom Lehrer and whether they know that I do, in fact, break into song at every opportunity. But I know, you have not really done this trip. That's probably because I've been focusing so much on learning that I haven't been doing a lot of my own talking. Um, Sorry. No, that's not your fault. That's on me for being like, I will absorb all of the knowledge. We, we have spontaneously broken into quoting Night Vale multiple yes. times, but that's the closest we've gone to... I think we did break out saying Jerusalem at one point. Yes, we did. Um, which is kind of... Which is also Night Vale. Um, a, Night Vale would be our song. Yes, it's a good song. I like all If I tell you that I love you, just don't test my love. Because maybe I don't love you all that much. <laughs> That was also, as I told you, my friend Gary's introduction to Night Vale was he playing that song shortly after the Carapocalypse. And it's just, it's such a good song. It and is. it's so random, but it's at the same time orderly so deep and, and orderly. Deep and it, and it's, it's very, it's deeply poetic while being silly. And, um... Are we coming here for help or something? Can't <laughs> you read our inspiring? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, anytime I think about relativity now, or someone says everything's relative, and I think, well, you mess, you misread Einstein. and Yeah. I don't deal well with relativists. But the point is, um, we got up there and sang Poisoning Pigeons in the Park to the delight of a few people, and I think to the shock and horror of many others. <laughs> Probably the second shock and horror moment at Cross for those who went there other than the Sandal Incident, which is famed in story, if not song. It's going to have to be famed in song at some point. Maybe. It might be famed in song now. There has been a long time since I've set foot in Holy Cross. And when I left Holy Cross, I literally I literally had sandals on dust with them that I clapped together um, to brush the dust off them and vowed that the only time I would ever return to that place is if I was a bishop to shut it down. Yes. Because that was the place that was most harmful to my faith as an Orthodox Christian than living in the middle of the Wiccan Wonderland of the Verde Valley. <laughs> Wiccan Wonderland. Wiccan Wonderland. Have you seen the man with all the crystals? Have you Seen all the turquoise, moving along, stacking the stones, walking in a wicked wonderland. Which leads me to Frozen, which then leads me to, do you want to build a pentagonal, I can't even Pentagonal dodecahedron, it doesn't have to be a pentagonal dodecahedron. Way on Okay, fine. But yes, um, we, we left a number of scandalized individuals in our wake. And um, as well as getting another death glare. Was the death glare a result of the song, or was it just... No, there was two death glares. There was two death glares that I remember anyway. Because okay. I, I, I know I had introduced my sister to Tom Lehrer before... That moment. Um, yes, before, well, before she even went off to college. 
um, because she went off to college with a large amount of Tom Lehrer because of me. Um, and I think it made its way into uh, some of the Sigma Alpha Yoda music house out there. They had a much larger chapter than we did. Um, but we just, we talked and the talking was good. And I don't remember what we talked about. It was just talking. It was just, yeah, it was just good nerd conversation. Talk. Yeah. Good, good, wholesome nerd talk. Would we have been talking? I mean, Futurama would have been out. There's a possibility we could have been talking Probably about Futurama, that. maybe books, probably Tolkien, probably Lewis. Many uh, of my conversations involve Tolkien and Lewis, especially if I know that I'm around people of a religious bent. Probably also Hitchhiker's Guide. Yes, that would definitely have come up because I take every uh, opportunity to evangelize the good word of Douglas Adams. I have a copy of uh, the full, okay, the the full five novels and one short story of the what what it was it was at one time referred to the the increasingly inaccurately named trilogy, trilogy. Uh, that is bound in leather, with gold lettering, and with uh, <coughs> friendly gold, gold lettering. On, yes, with friendly gold lettering on the cover, uh, but also with um, with a ribbon bookmark and gold uh, on the edges and I would carry that around high school and it looked like a bible <laughs> and that nearly caused my second run in with separation of church and state in the public school system of Barrington Rhode Island so um, but then people would come and realize oh that's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy I love that book and either that or they'd say I was some you know weirdo Christian, I was like, okay, I'm a weirdo and a Christian, so that, that does work for me, thank you. <laughs> I failed to see the bad part of your argument. Yes. So, what do you think of The Girlfriend? I really rather enjoy it. This is this is one of my probably three favorite vintages of Maldacia Bianca in the state overall. I feel like it would pair well with a chicken piccata. Never tried it with a chicken piccata. Um, possibly with linguine with extra lemon. Never tried with linguine with extra um, lemon. Oh, just because I like I like lemon. I like I like my citruses, and I really love pasta. Um, so, and basically when when I my normal I, pairing for Maldacia is it on its own. Um, that's just because I enjoy this grape so so much. It is a beautiful thing. Um, I mean. I could also see this with something with a lot of pesto and nuts. Mm -hmm. um, well, pesto is made from nuts, so that was kind of redundant. Not pesto is mostly basil, and then you get you'll either get pine nuts or you'll get walnuts or maybe not any nuts if someone's allergic. So we used to, we, I've had a wide variety of pestos out of mom's garden. But this is also going to be it's also a grape that's a go-to pairing for me for Thai food. Ooh yes, had Thai. Anything like green curry. I could see this working well with the pad ki mao, which is like pad thai, but much spicier. Um, I feel like this also pairs well with a lot of spicy green chili dishes or jalapeno-based dishes. Mm -hmm. A lot of new Mexican cuisine. And some Arizona cuisine, because green chilies do well also here in Arizona. Um, I could see it working with that, um, and I know that was red chili in the... Um, in the, the cornbread, fried, fried bread piece that we had last night at the gala that went along with the 
the that was with the filet mignon. Um, that's the worst French course. Filet mignon. No, that was, I, apologize. I apologize, Madame Holocaust. Filet mignon. Uh, filet mignon is fine. But um, I think that what, what, whenever it was that we had that, it was either with the salad or with the... the I think it was with the salad. Um, it was... This would have potentially gone okay with the salad. I've had other malvasias that would have gone better with that salad. Um, Uh, like some of the stronghold vintages in the past. I'm very much enjoying it just on its own, though. Yeah. And this is a great sipping rate for a hot summer day while you're sitting up in Jerome or maybe with your feet in the Verde River or Wet Beaver Creek or um, the outlet at Montezuma Well, which I've never done with this wine or any wine for that matter. I would not want to bring this to a beach. No, this is not a beach wine. No, there's there's something in here that would not go well with the salt of the Which is weird there. because um, as it gets open, I almost do get a whiff of sea salt. Like distant sea salt. But there's a big difference between distant sea salt and actual yeah. dead fish smell. And I'm also um, getting a little bit on the finish now. Um, a little bit of almost like a limestone, like licking the limestone boulder. I can't say I've tried that. This is what a geology miner does to you. <laughs> lick rocks. Have you ever seen that? There's a comic. There's also, a, by no, the way. it was a I... Tumblr post. It was, um, can you lick it according to various scientists? Yes. Geology, <laughs> yes. And sometimes it's necessary. <laughs> Physics. How? <laughs> Chemistry? No! Don't. Don't! Biology, sometimes yes, sometimes you'll get hallucinations. What's <laughs> that Simpsons episode where Homer was looking for toads? Oh, it was the one where he was sent as a missionary to get out of something. He got sent as a missionary to some strange island, and he ended up licking toads. My favorite Simpsons, or one of my favorite Simpsons episodes of all time was with the super hot chilies. Where he ends up on the vision quest. <laughs> he punches his spirit guide. Pyramids like goes up and he's like, This is because I punched you with the spirit guide just spirit guide who's like a spirit guide version of Santa's little helper or whatever the great yeah. name was. Yeah. Just like nods. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. that leads to holy cross story for me i mean it's a, it's a so there's a, there's a degree of separation involved but i've heard that in one of the chant classes uh what you do is you take an existing text that has not been set to chant and you set it to one of the the eight main tones and that i heard about a a certain seminarian by the name of manny taking spider pig <laughs> Yes. And setting it in Plagal Second. I have heard of this. I have heard the story. Spider pig does whatever a spider pig does. <laughs> I think I was telling you that story, and that's when I ended up chanting the pirates who don't do anything in a tone that I can't actually identify the number of. Yes. Yes. That you were. I remember yes. that. <laughs> we are the pirates who do not do anything. 
And I've never been to Greenland, and I've never been to Denver, and I've never buried treasure in St. Louis or St. Paul, and I've never been to Moscow, and I've never been to Tampa, and I've never been to Boston in the fall. No, he's never been to Boston in the fall. <laughs> <sighs> now, if I, I never did take a chant class, in them, and I do kind of regret that, but probably what I would have done is taken one of the Lord of the Rings texts. Yes. Um, Which I think is what my brother-in-law probably did. Possibly Treebeard's, um, I call it Treebeard's Memory Song, or Namarie, uh, and putting that to one of the tones, which are two of my favorite pieces. Or maybe doing um, whatever the really sad tone of the Lamentations is for uh, the Lament of Boromir, for Boromir. Boromir, one of Sean Bean's 22 on-screen deaths. Which have been done because the universe is trying to correct for his name <laughs> not rhyming. <laughs> which which almost could have worked because he was in a Bond movie and he could have been Sean Bond. <laughs> one, one thinks of strange things. Yes. My brain is going into that have to do with Byzantine chants and Sean Bean now. And <laughs> that's just like, where is this coming from? Magic. Magic. Malvasia. Ooh, Magic Malvasia. That'd be Magic Malvasia tour. No. <laughs> Magical Mystical Malvasia tour could be a good band name. Or a nearly copyright infringing album name. Yes. There's a certain acidity to it that bites at the sides of my tongue. Which makes sense because what I've noticed is that wines in the Verde Valley, which is where this wine is from, tend to be by far more acidic than wines from other parts of Arizona. Okay. Um, the groundwater is a little bit more acidic. The soil is a little bit more acidic. Um, everything's a little bit more acidic. Um, just because there's so much limestone, um, calcium carbonate, it just gets into things and tends to make the wines a little bit higher acidity, a higher pH, from what I can taste anyway. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, like geologically, not geologically, chemically, but but there's something in the Verde that does it. Something in the in the Verde Valley, generally in wines, excuse me, uh, coming from the Verde Formation, or wines planted on the Verde Formation. Um, this would be a good example of that, because this is Verde Formation Cottonwood. Some of the Page Springs Vineyards, some of Maynard's Vineyards, all of Alcantara. Um, not as much at uh, not as much at um, Clear Creek because the way he uses his flood irrigation for one, which lowers your acidity because everything's watered down. <laughs> Sorry. Oh God, you're Sonnet One Thirty drunk, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> image that popped up on my uh, laptop. Um, One of my favorite sonnets. 
an Arby's ad. Is it an, an nihilist it? Arby's? Very, very, very Nivalian. Um, Arby's, we sell food. So anyway. Do you understand the lights above the Arby's? He's speaking to us some secret things. Order of the universe. Thank you, Carlos. And now the word. Insert. (laughs) That should cut in in the final version (laughs) to a full version of uh, Ginger's submission. (laughs) Right there for And Now the Weather. I may do that when I when I edit this. Suspicious little pretty one. I suspect that you know I've come on. You've opened up this can And no one can put me back in But you know, you know, you know I know you know You know, you know, you know I know you know Suspicious little pretty one Like them candies where no one could eat just one I would gorge until I pop Cause you're bitter, bitter sweet like a lemon, lemon drop. But you know, you know, you know, I know, you know, you know, you know, you know, I know, you know, you could pour me like a good glass of wine, sip me slowly over time, or drink me up at once, however you like, however you Suspicious little pretty one I suspect that you know I've come undone You've opened up this can And no one can put me back in But you know, you know You know I know you know You know, you know You know I know you know You know you know You know I know you know You could call me like a good
was Finger Craner. I, I will accept being a guest star. The <laughs> Night Vale's wine critic. Oh, the Spectral Malbec is coming gloriously this year. Um, which which started as... Uh, the sommelier at Tourniquet. Oh, that's true. Uh-huh. But then you couldn't be my Carlos. Well, no, but I mean as a guest star in the yes, real world, yes. I mean. Um, So the, the spectral Malbec joke came about as uh, at one point in time my phone had died and I was out in the desert doing photography um, for, a entry, uh, for an entry in the blog on the Coronado Vineyards Malbec, uh, which Sam commented on and said that Jack, the one that, oh, Jackie read and loved your review and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so uh, the high def picture thing on my tablet is much slower than the one on my phone. So if I move a little bit, or even a little bit, they would double the picture. And there was one where everything in the picture was normal except for the Malbec and the glass. <laughs> Actually, I think the glass was in one place still, but the bottle had moved around somehow. And there was like three different bottles in, of the one. And so I posted it to a Nightdale group on Facebook is like the spectral Malbec was a really great harvest this year because <laughs> it just made me think of, of, of that for some weird reason. Uh, but anyway, um, so the bottom, the crystals that you see here, um, yes. those are the tartrate crystals. Um, oh, that's what because uh, you said if you ever get me a ring, um, I don't expect something that shiny, and I said, Well. About at this point, all I could afford is tartrate crystals, and there they are. <laughs> um, so tartrate crystals come uh, about through tartaric acid, which is a, something that's in all wines. It's a natural acid in grapes, and sometimes you add a little bit. Sometimes you don't just kind of balance an acidity on the wine. But if you don't cold stabilize, um, and cold stabilization is really as simple as it sounds. You put the wine, ideally... Um, the, the proper way to do this is uh, you get a glycol insulated tank and you pump it down and you put that at the top of where your wine level is and that continuously cycles through because, you know, warm things rise, cold things fall, and so it falls to the bottom. And then the crystals that are, once it gets to a certain temperature, i.e. just about 40 degrees, the crystals... 4039, the crystals will come out of solution. Well, the excess tartaric acid will come out of solution and form crystals at the bottom of the bottle. And a lot of people in, in tasting rooms refer to this as wine diamonds. And it's it's perfectly natural. It's what happens when you don't cold stabilize. It doesn't mean anything bad. Or you could do it the way Flying Leaf does it, which I think is genius because Sonoya is one of the coldest wine regions in Arizona. And so what they do is they move the tanks outside of the winery at night when the nights get down to the third. 34, 33, 32, and it naturally cold stabilizes from the temperature. At least the, this is what they used that to do. They, they might they might now have a, a glycol jack, jacketed tank. I don't know. Uh, well, that's neither here nor there. So it's a perfectly natural result of wine production. It's not anything bad or extra or added. Uh, for the record, also, the sulfites in wine, um, I think we had this conversation or overheard this conversation or someone was talking about this conversation. Uh, sulfites and wine get this whole bugaboo bad rap, but in reality, they're, they're 
Some of them are naturally a result of the fermentation process. Um, and a dried apricot will have probably more single amount of sulfites than this than an entire case of the small decia will. Um, but perhaps because I don't know if it's invisible in some way? No, it's because every on the label because the beer industry hit one up on us wine people uh, by saying making us forced to say contain sulfites. Oh. Um, because sulfites are bad in the tissue. No, they're they're naturally there in most wines, regardless. And the fact of the matter is they if it wasn't for sulfites in wine, your wine would go bad much more quickly. Um, we wouldn't be able to age it nearly as well, it wouldn't last nearly as long. It's just a fact. Mm. Um, blah blah blah. Um, so out of all the wines you have tasted today... There were several today, uh, because we went to the... Uh, what was the official name of that? It's the Grand Arizona Wine Festival. Grand Arizona Wine Festival, which was outside the Science Center, and that made me very happy. So two, two of my favorite wineries, actually three out of my favorite wineries, were not pouring there today, uh, which is sad, but uh, so it goes. There were no straight-up Malmasias there today. Which was also shocking. I, I really expected the Pierces to to be pouring their Malmasia today, at least, to get you an, they an early... They wanted for that one, didn't they? They did. Uh, but the wine that uh, that swept through and got best on show was, honestly, uh, not really much of a surprise to me, because I kind of called it. You are running low on Oh, shoot. Power. Where did... Why is it not charging? Um, Please stand by for technical difficulties. The point is, this is an excellent wine. Uh, we are good. Okay, now it's charging. I don't know why I wasn't doing that before, yeah. but now Back I in business. can't sit in my chair because I stupidly um, put that cord over my chair. Uh, anyway, um, so out of all the wines you tried today, uh, which ones were your favorites? Well, I'm really liking this Malvasia. Uh, that was not represented at the festival. Well, it's still um, a wine you're trying today, so technically you could yes. be like, this is my favorite all today, and, and it would be a perfectly crumbling answer. Um, you're going to have to give the details on these because there was um, there were so many that I will remember just Only. small amounts here and there. Um, very much liked, I mean, I did, the Gewürztraminer that you called. Yeah, I called that a year and a half ago when I first tasted it. It might be only the, the third Gewürztraminer that I've ever had, uh, having had one in Strasbourg and one when my father brought one home a few months back. But it was, uh, it was stellar. Um, uh, there was, from the school, um, the Petite Syrah. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Which... The college, by the way, got a lot of awards this time around, and I am very happy that they did, because those students, they're the future of Arizona wine, and then I'm very happy to see them get the recognition that they so rightly deserve. But that Petite Syrah um, had a, uh, a distinctive smell to it of bilberries which is a smell that you get a lot in the Jura, which is the region of France that I lived in for my year abroad. 
Um, so bilberries are, you could say they're, they're somewhat similar if you have had wild New England blueberries, um, which are much smaller and much more tart than uh, berries you would buy in a store. Um, it's a, a similar, uh, similar aroma to that, but that was, that, that was the wine that made me homesick for a place that I lived for 10 months. Um, oh, yeah, you, you handed this to me and said, this is, this is like the wines from Jura. Yep. Which is where the Jurassic gets its name. It's for the, the Jura mountains. Mm -hmm. And, um, <laughs> And uh, Sorry. and I was telling the the gentleman who was pouring, pair this with this cheese. You get it. You're gonna go to Trader Joe's. You're gonna get this cheese, and you're gonna have it with the petite Syrah, because that will give you the Jura experience. Um, Jura is not known for its wines particularly, but it is for its cheeses. Um, it's getting apparently from what I researched when I was doing. Um researching uh, Trousseau, which is Bastardo, which is the port that I reviewed a, a couple months ago for the noise. Um, it has some good small wineries. Um, but uh, but it's it's really the, it, what it's really known for is the cheese. And there's a cheese called Comte, C-O-M-T-E, which you can buy at um, Trader Joe's all the time and sometimes at a Whole Foods. Um, if not, ask your local uh, fromagerie and perhaps they can get you some. It is worth the cost. Um, but yes, that's the Petite Syrah brought me back to France. And then there was um, Pretty Girl from Four Tales. Which I did buy a bottle of because I'm not allowed to make Firefly references or call her pretty. Um, but at least the wine can. Yes. So that one, um, that one absolutely blew me away. Um, and it might have had something to do with the, the accents of the people around it as well as the, it was a rich discussion going on. And there were a lot of pictures of dogs. And then I started wondering what would a, you know what would what would wines named after yeah you know, this was the this was the wine it was named after their basset hound pretty girl and then there was they're coming out with a uh with with something next year that they're going to call double trouble after their two golden labs and i thought you know what what would a wine that would be named after our current dog who is a pug named bruce but we we all just call him pug what would a wine named Pug have to taste like? And it really it got me thinking more than I think any other. Uh, it got me thinking more than any other, um, more than any other vineyard represented there. But in, but not in an overthinking kind of way. Um, I, was, I was saying to the the gentleman pouring that Pretty Girl is. Um, is a wine that you don't want to, that it, it invites analysis, but you don't want to overthink it. And I'm still not entirely sure what that means, but it's, it's a sit back and enjoy. Enjoy that this is here, that this is beautiful, that this is 
a part of what is around you. But don't overthink it, because overthinking it is just going to be a waste of everyone's time. Um, just enjoy the wine. Um, and then just all of the people that we met. Everyone was just, everyone was so chill. And, um, it was a generally good day. I don't think I disliked anything I tried. Um, I think if we were to, if, if I were to bring it really down to three, it would be the diverse demeanor from... Arizona Stronghold. Arizona Stronghold. The um, Petite Sirah from the college. And then Four Tails Pretty Girl. Okay. How about you? What were your favorites today? Uh, the Rosé from... Uh, from Bodega Pierce, definitely. Was that the one that I got, like, much yeah, because yeah. I drank it all because it was that good. It, what I got was very good. Uh, you also did take home a bottle of the Gallia, too. Yes! Yes, the Gallia. Um, which is just gorgeous. Like, I can't I can't remember enough about it besides it being gorgeous. But, yes. Well, the label, it's, the uh, label, the is, label gorgeous, is great the, personification of the wine itself. It really is. Um, uh, so we have that rosé. Um, I really, of course, dug the Gewurz from here, which, you know, still, you know, I revisited. And yeah, yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's brilliant. Um, and I, I think that that may be uh, a once, that could be a potentially once in a lifetime vintage for uh, a native Arizonan. Because uh, as I, as Glomsey pointed out, there are only well, he tried to point out that there's only one vineyard in the state of the growing it until I corrected him, which is hilarious because he makes the wine for the other <laughs> vineyard that grows Gewürz Demeanor in the state. Um. <laughs> that, was a, that was a fun moment. Was, like, nope, wait. <laughs> in the middle of the gala, Cody's saying, nope. This, this, to be fair, is not my first time interrupting a fancy dinner function and correcting someone that's on stage. Uh, Robert T. Bacher, the famous paleontologist, also got corrected by me while he was on stage for calling Chariototheria, or the creature that produced the footprints that are known, uh, ethnologic, whatever the word for a species known for footprints only, or mostly footprints only is called, uh, calling it a dinosaur. Uh, I corrected him and said, no, it was an archosaur, not a dinosaur. And he's like, as my esteemed colleague has pointed out, he is correct. <laughs> And I was seven at the time. Well done, sir. So I didn't know better then, and I was on five glasses of wine then, so I also didn't know better this time around either, maybe. But you know, I, I apologize to, to Eric later. He's like, yeah, no, my wife told me I was a dumbass for that, too. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, good. That's often the blow. The rosé at the dinner last night I thought was quite nice. The, the Grenache rosé from Carlson was lovely. I have to say I liked uh, the Bodega Pierce one more. It had more elegance, more finesse, more floral characters, and wasn't nearly as hot in terms of alcohol because the... I, I don't know what the percentage is. I, I, if I wasn't so lazy, I could get up and look because uh, I shall have the bottle here with me. But we are both lazy, and oh. thus nothing shall be done. Exactly. Um, it, it 
this felt like it had a lower alcohol percentage, even if it didn't. Because uh, there, there's definitely heat on that nose and on that palate. Which is not to say it's a bad the, thing. Of the wines served at the dinner, that was probably my favorite. The rosé? Yeah, that was my favorite, too. Uh, the four was nice. Uh, the the Sauvignon Blanc was much better than I remember it being in the tasting room, which was good. Because I was terrified. I'm like, really? The, well, not, I didn't really care for that that much. I would have thought that they were going to pour the Mesa Blanco, which is my, was my favorite white from Alcantara. But it was a good pairing. But it was a really good pairing. It worked really well. And it wasn't, I think maybe the bottle that I had in the tasting room was just open too long. So the rosé was with the uh, the appetizer. Right? Yes, the, yeah, the barbecue the shrimp. shrimp. shrimp, and that was a good pairing. The uh, the Sauvignon Blanc, is it is yeah. Sauvignon Blanc? Um, that was really well paired with the salad. Uh, the salad was a combination of fruits, arugula, and wheat berries. I'm pretty sure they were actually cashews. Yeah, that's it. it said wheat berries on the menu. And there was, whatever it was, it was tasty, and it went quite well with that wine. The filet mignon was, uh, was very good. And then the four. The four went along with that. that. Four as in, as in golf term. Because uh, Coronado Vineyards, which is from, uh, used to be on the old uh, Wilcox Country Club. Uh, much better use for the space on the mm-hmm. vineyard, in my opinion. I'm not fond of golf. Neither we were having a, dis- a passionate discussion earlier about the, the benefits of miniature golf. Yes, with, um, with Brandon. And um, the dessert really over completely overshadowed the port. Oh yeah. The dessert was a was a a chocolate, and then a deconstructed version of that chocolate from EXO, um, which was a strawberry Grenache, something butterscotchy or caramelly. Um, and then a dark chocolate, and then some kind of cream underneath in the deconstruction. Um, that really, that was a, it was a perfect piece of chocolate. Yeah. Uh, the, the port did not. Hold up. It was just kind of. It didn't hold up. I think if it had, if it had been a worse dessert, perhaps the port would have shown through more. Yeah. But the, the dessert completely outshone the dessert wine. I feel like um, the epilogue from LVV uh, would have been a much better uh, pairing for that wine, but or alternately even better yet, the solo uh, from Flying Leap, uh, which was Grenache. I have not tried their Petit Verdot port yet that has won. I'm looking very forward to trying that. Uh, I need to see if Rose will. Was the was the what was the sparkling? The oh, that was the sparkling columbard. That was it. Was interesting. That's about the best anyone can say for columbard. There's a reason why columbard French columbard is one of the biggest brandy grapes in France, other than Aubigny Blanc. There's and just that reason is. Uh, it's kind of the uninitiated. It's kind of. Eh. Oh, good! It provides body. Okay. It's not a very exciting wine. It doesn't have a very exciting flavor profile. Uh, the other way that you can really jazz it up is either distill it and turn it into a brandy and age it long term to make it into brandies and cognacs, um, or to do what they did, which was carbonate and turn it into a sparkling wine, which 
Uh, they didn't do it in any natural style that I'm aware of. It wasn't uh, Methodois, Champenois, or however it's said. It's I mean, it wasn't even listed on the um, on the menu for the evening. All it said was the toast to the winners, um, which is why I have no idea what it was. That was the uh, sparkling so, columbard yeah. from uh, Sonoida right. Vineyards. Um, um, or uh, a pet nat, which has not been done in Arizona, although rumor on the street is that... Uh, a few wineries are, are experimenting last vintage, were experimented last vintage with a pet nat uh, in experimenting and seeing if it would be feasible and potentially doing a, a bigger production this year of pet nats. I know Gary wants to make like four or five bottles of a pet nat just for shiggles for himself and for me mostly because he, he knows that if I don't get to try one of a pet nat that he's made, I will hold it against him. Um. I got to meet Gary. Gary is fun. Gary is very happy to be compared to Cecil Baldwin. Yes. I was thinking, like, do I tell him this? Does he know Night Vale? Do I yes, I inflicted and, Night Vale on him. Yes. So I said it, I just said at one point, I... When I saw you come into the event, I thought you were Cecil Baldwin. And, <laughs> he just kind of and then lost it. I and then you weren't. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he just lost it. And then I found out you were Gary, which is also great. <laughs> and I think that's when we sang Jerusalem. Yep, that that was when I think we all sang Jerusalem. You, me, and him. Speaking of dinosaurs, that's me looking at dinosaur tracks on the Navajo Reservation near to the city at six or seven. Your hair used to be as blonde as my hair is pretending to be. (laughs) And my hair used to look like a Scandinavian ski ad. But anyway, gang, we should probably close this down. Yes. We've got liturgy in the morning, and you have a long flight as well. Mm-hmm. Back to life, back to Rhode Island. Round the road to Rhode Island. I might have to attempt to find a good Rhode Island wine for Cody to review while he's out there. I've, I've looked at the, the menus of these, of these places, and I will say that out of all of the Northeastern when I was living in the horrible exile uh, in the in the in the Northeast, in New England, from from my beloved kingdom of Arizona, um, most of it is Concord. I'm sorry, world. I'm not even natively from there, and I'm sorry. Oh, oh, that was one of the dark conversations we had with Sam Billsbury, <laughs> but ethnically cleansing Concord grapes. <laughs> Very, very much in, in a big 
burning fan. I'm still feeling the burn. Yeah. Uh, yes, but they'll build a wall and make the... the build a wall around all the Concord and make a grape. Uh, make they grow great grapes. The best grapes. <laughs> <laughs> my, my first mention on quote of the day uh, was... Um, Concord grapes exist so Baptists can have communion, which is such a sad thing. Yes. It's such a sad thing. You know, the, uh, the Puritans believed that um, drinking was a fine thing to do because if Jesus drank and it was good enough for Jesus, why isn't it good enough for you? So. And with that note, because drinking is good enough for both of us, we're going to probably just go to is there a traditional sign-off? No, there really isn't. <laughs> I would say what's next, but that would imply A, that we were doing the West Wing Weekly, and, and B, that there was another wine, but I am... There is no other I wine. I am unfortunately wined out. Oh, quit for your the, whining. For the moment! <laughs> what a cork in it. Ha! Oh. I got one out in decent time! Yes! Oh, I never did tell the Hopgo story. That reminds me. How well... But I'll have to wait for the future. Gotta leave my, my, my listeners, all five of them, wanting Welcome more. Welcome to the Hopco Stories of Tomorrow! <laughs> anyway, uh, the girlfriend approves of the girlfriend, so I guess we're, we're good but for... But does the girlfriend approve of the girlfriend? Hold on, let me listen to the, to the Malvasia. Mostly void, partially stars? It's mostly sunlight. Partially void? Not, not really, no. Malvasy is not voidy. No, it really isn't. It's just pure and bright and sunny. And You're not calling this a desert bluff swine, are you? Oh god, no. There's not nearly enough blood. first three episodes. Or even the first one, and just listen to the beautiful voice of Cecil Baldwin. But anyway, um, no, Malvasia is, is not a, a void wine at all. It's just beautiful and bright and sunny and cheerful. And it is the entrot of, of Wailing Hall. And this vintage especially is always, like I said early on. Am I going to get taller? Hope not. I kind of like you being short. I like me being short, too. Oh, it's nice to bend down to, you know, kiss you on the forehead. <laughs> Sorry, that may have been too affectionate. Oh, no! Anyway. People have emotions. They express them. I can actually feel your sister's death glare <laughs> coming from the future right now. So Which on that note... we probably sign off and get in the fallout shelter. Yes, let, let us go and get in the fallout shelter now, promptly. Uh, until next time, gang, this has been Cody with uh, the Arizona Wine Monk with Bess, who might be the New England Cider Witch. Actually, that's a good question to close with. The $10,000 question. Would you move out here? What, based on the wine alone? I'm assuming <laughs> I'm probably <laughs> playing a part in this, but... I mean, the wine is definitely...
if you want to just move out here for the wine, then I won't say no. I'm, I'm so far enjoying Arizona. This is the furthest west that I have ever been. And I've enjoyed my time in the Phoenix area. And apparently this is the, the worst part of Arizona? As I have said, this is the worst. If uh, my, my whole criteria for um, not really leaving the Phoenix base in this trip was that so Bess could see me at my absolute worst. <laughs> um, uh, driving through Phoenix traffic and the worst part of Arizona, which is Phoenix. That, but hey, and she's still, it's got a science center. So the, the thought process being if she still is okay with, can deal with this, driving through Phoenix traffic and also the, the, the endless squalor that is Phoenix that stretches from horizon to horizon. There are um, some mountains. I can look at the mountains and ignore. I can I can look at the mountains and the Cody and, and just be happy. I, for the record, I, I know most of my listenership is probably in Phoenix. I, I just, I'm sorry. I grew up in Phoenix. I'm over it. I did enjoy my time here in Phoenix. But she enjoyed her time. We're, we're in surprise Surprise! Right now. Um, the big surprise is that anyone's living in surprise. Uh, which is actually not the first time I've heard that joke. That was told to me first in the tasting room, believe it or not, by someone from there. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> so, let us complete our prayer to the Lord. Uh, see ya. Anyway. So, um, the, the thought process being that if she can deal with me at my worst and still likes the worst part of Arizona, then it can only get better from here. Uh, and so she... Well, it gets better? It does. <gasps> Anyway, on that note, um, good night. Have a good night. I said that twice. Good night, Nightmare. <laughs> good night, listeners, and I hope that you're having a great and awesome day.